Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good to see you guys here on this Labor Day weekend. A couple of announcements. This Tuesday, we are taking meals to the nurses at San Antonio Hospital, and you can still contribute to that. Uh, We're just picking up the meals at Hitchburger and Grill. It's not like we need a lot of people because all we can do is take them out to the helipad there. And, and then we just leave them like an offering. No, we um, have a nurse comes up and takes them in, but we don't actually get to take the meals in. They come and get them from us, take them in, and we're taking meals at 11 a.m. and at 8 p.m. because that's when the shifts are, and it's a total of 70 meals. Um, I forget the total cost of it. I think it's about $500 or something like that. Uh, we're getting a good deal from Hitchburger. They have uh, worked with us before. And so we plan on doing that again as the need arises. Um, So if you want to contribute to that, you can do that online at thegenesisstory.com or Venmo or Zelle. And if you just tag nurses, then we will know that that money goes towards this cause to help supplement the cost for that, whatever that cost uh, is, whatever above what is donated, the Genesis is going to give towards that. However you say that, I didn't say that well. But anyway, another thing that we are doing, we are going to be uh, contributing towards Haiti. I have talked with Denise or have been in communication with Denise, and there is a small church, a remote church, where the priest who is overseeing that area has been doing great work with the people. Um, He has kind of been demoted because he wasn't following the politics of the church. And so as punishment, they sent him to this remote region, which is just heartbreaking because he was doing such great work at another place, but they just like, no, you're going here because you're not following the guidelines. But he is still caring for the people. And so we are going to care for him and his church. And what we are going to do is partner with For a Reason and buy the people in their community Bibles in their language, which is Creole. And so it's about $10 a Bible, and they want 500 Bibles because that's how many people are a part of this community that come there. Church in Haiti is different, guys. I mean, it's cool. Uh, I've been... (laughs) Not that you guys aren't cool, but... I I remember one trip, I traveled down this place for about an hour. You couldn't get there by car. You had to hike down there. And we hiked down there, and we had guys carrying speakers that were, I mean, like 
three times this size, and they're carrying them down this thing because they're going to have church. And so they have to set it up, and they've got wires that are just kind of, yeah, it's like scary a little bit, you know, the whole thing that's going on. But then they did church out in the elements. There's a, a canopy, but they had a couple hundred people that were in the heat of that day, which, you know, we're like, oh, we're not going to set up the canopies today because it's hot outside. That's all they know. And there was over 100 people that did church for about three hours, okay? So starting this morning, we are going to change. <laughs> We're gonna... And it was just a, a time of community because this is where they get together and have basically family kind of gathering. And so there are 500 people that we want to get Bibles to in their language, and so we are going to do what we can to provide that with for a reason as I mentioned before, we have about $2,000 already that we're contributing towards that. Whatever you want to give towards Haiti, that's where the money is going to go, just so that you guys know that. Um, and $10 will get a Bible into the hands of someone there. So you could either put the money in the barrel here, you can go online again, all the different ways that you can give, and you can sponsor that, as well as how you just continue to worship in your tithes and offerings um, that's taking place as well. Mind you that Take Two is happening here Wednesday nights at 7. Um, we actually get together at 6.30 and then talk, and then 7 o'clock we go on live. And there's also an AA meeting here at 8 o'clock, and it is open. I know on our website it says private, but it is open. Okay, so we can put that there. If you're needing to be there, um, come and they'll welcome you. So that's happening. Today we are continuing in the politics of Jesus. And boy, don't you just love politics. It's just so refreshing and freeing. But the politics of Jesus is. It is meant to be liberating. And today I'm going to be talking about religious language and manipulation. And if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll start at verse 33. Jesus speaking says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simple, simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now remember, Jesus is undercutting the righteousness or the right standing that the religious leaders of that time had. And he is establishing a righteousness or what is right in the kingdom of God. The whole sermon that he has given starts with repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here. It's present. It's tangible. It's something you can reach and take hold of now. And this is what the kingdom is looking like. And so he is now challenging these things that were in existence, trying to tear down something that was bad so that something that is good can be established. 
And when it says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall never swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. The word swear is understood to be an oath that you take, right? This has nothing to do with cussing. This has everything to do with making an oath towards something. And the idea of oath-taking is invoking a third party to witness something. And this was common practice that is found extensively in the ancient Hebrew writings, in the Mishnah as well as in the scriptures, right? And so we see that it was a common thing there because that's why he's saying don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth, by the city of the great king, by your head. These are all things that they made oaths by. And again, some of these things seem strange to us because why would you swear by your head? What is that all about, right? But this was common at that time And the whole idea is they would invoke something that was important so that their words would now have importance connected to whatever it was they were swearing to. And we do similar things, right? And courtrooms, you used to put your hand on a Bible, say, I swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. I don't know if they still do that. I heard that you don't have to swear on the Bible or you can pick your own sacred book. And then some people are like, well, that's where we've gone wrong. We're no longer swearing on the Bible. Come on. People were lying while they were swearing on the Bible, right? I mean, it's like the whole idea is I'm trying to give value to what I'm saying by connecting it to something that's important, right? And when I was a kid, as I you know, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Anyone else have that one? All right or swear on your mother's grave, or you guys maybe had your own, but the whole idea is my words are so important, I'm connecting them to something that is important so that you can see how important my words really are. We read throughout the scripture, they would say things like, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if what I say isn't true. And they started using the name of Yahweh. May the Lord Yahweh deal with me. And so in Exodus, they said, no, 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 no more using the name Yahweh. Okay, you guys are abusing God to make yourself seem important. And so they just exchanged. They couldn't use God's name because it was now forbidden. So they started using other things like the temple or like heaven or like the earth because there's still this idea of I need to give my words value. And how do I do that? So an example would be you have a couple of farmers and they're you know, disputing over their land and where the boundaries are. And so one farmer says, yeah, my sheep are allowed to graze here, but this farmer, he is moving the boundaries closer to you know my land so he has more land and so they go to the court and they go to the town elders and they say yeah we're having this dispute i say that the boundaries are here but he's changing them and and how do you know i'm true well i swear by the temple that what i'm saying is true and the other guy would say oh you swear by the temple i swear by the gold that is in the temple that is my true oh this is kind of christmas story i triple dog dare you right it's just like going to cut to the chase he he bypassed the etiquette of double dog dare and just went straight for the triple dog dare and that's what they were doing and it seems ridiculous but i think we can lean into this a little bit and show that it's still pretty relevant today Literally, what they are saying, when they're saying you will not 
take the Lord's name in vain or you will not swear by these things. It's you will not attach the Lord's name to an empty thing. You will not take something that is important and attach it to something that isn't. And so other things were being used. We'll find something important. If we can't use God's name, let's find something else. And just as they had heavier and lighter laws, they had heavier and lighter oaths. And that's really one of the things Jesus is dealing with. And and he deals with it more extensively in Matthew chapter 23. Verse 16, Jesus says, woe to you blind guides. Again, he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who are making up what is most important. If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple which has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Actually, if you make an oath by anything, you are including Yahweh because he is all in all. Whether it's the temple or whether it's the gold in the temple, whether it's the offering or the altar that the offering's on, it's still something that God is a part of. So your oath has to carry with it the substance, and don't attach your oath to something if it is hollow. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. In chapter five, the other substitutes, oh, we swear by heaven. Nope, you can't do that. That belongs to God. Well, we swear by the earth. Nope, that's his too. Well, we swear by, nope, that belongs to him too. Well, by your head, nope, he created you. It all belongs to God, so stop it. Stop using God to make your words have value. Ooh, and now we start getting into the nuance. Now we get into the thing that I think Jesus is really honing in on. Jesus goes to the root of why are you making oaths to begin with? challenging the degradation of importance and not valuing that Yahweh is a part of it all. Exposing why they take oaths to begin with because they are trying to manipulate the conversation for their own purposes and they're using God to get what they want. Dallas Willard has a part on the Sermon on the Mount in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. And this is like an amazing book. If you guys haven't read it, it's one of the tops that I think you should read. And I want to quote something he says in this. He says, the essence of swearing that Jesus targets here is about invoking something or someone else, especially God, to make your own words seem more significant and weighty. The aim is to impress others with your seriousness or piety so that you can get what you want. It's a device of manipulation 
designed to override the judgment or input of others in order to possess them for our purposes. It is manipulation, or as we say in our culture, it is spin. And Jesus says, this is evil. Instead of honoring and loving others with truthfulness, the intent is to get one's way by verbal manipulation of the thought and choices of others. Hmm. That needs to be chewed on a little bit, right? We kind of have to take this idea of using God to manipulate things so that we can actually get what we want. And this is pretty heavy, the thought of using God for manipulation. And so here's where my mind goes today, right? When a pastor or someone gets up and they says, the Lord told me. The Lord spoke to me and said that we're supposed to do this. Right? The Lord told me that we're supposed to do this. The Lord didn't tell me that we're supposed to do this, but he told you we're supposed to. And you're, you're including me in what God said to you? How many young ladies have been told, the Lord told me that we're going to get married? Oh, really? That's news. As if invoking God now makes this important. If you're talking to someone, all of a sudden they say, you know, well, the Lord told me that. How do you answer that? How do you say, no, that's stupid? Right? If God told you, how do I, te- how do I argue with that? Well, the Lord told me that we should do this. Well, that just seems dumb. I don't think God would say that. Or musicians, the Lord gave me this song. No, he didn't. God is good, (laughs) and that song isn't, right? (laughs) But we invoke God's name to give ourselves credibility. And we have countless cases of abuses by people in power claiming that the Lord told them to do something, to buy property, to build buildings, to do outreaches, to take that job, which is always for more money, right? God never seems to tell anyone to take a job that's a demotion. The Lord's leading me to this job. Does it have more money? Well, yeah. Well, hmm. And why not just say, you know, I want to take this job because it's more money. It'll help my family out. Yes. That makes sense. That sounds good. I hope it's a good fit. But no, we have to cloak it in this, you know, religious language that gives us this idea of now I can say this. Why? Because the Lord told me. And what are you going to do with that? Well, if God told you, I guess it's true. And so now we've got this religious language that's being thrown out to validate the things that we do, invoking God to do what we want to do and manipulating others so that they can see that for us. So taking the Lord's name in vain is not saying, God damn this. It's taking the Lord's name in vain and using empty Christian talk to justify selfish motives and interests. This is what Jesus is uprooting. And it's a little deeper than just the words we say. It is the manipulation in why we are saying it. Now, I believe that God does speak to us. I believe God ministers, talks to us, right? But this presentation of certainty to me is a red flag. 
when a pastor gets up and says, you know, I was getting ready the other day and the Lord spoke to me as I was brushing my teeth as if God was like his wife talking to him, which it probably was his wife talking to him. And he just had to say the Lord because now he's got to do what his wife's saying. But, you know, I digress. There is this idea of, yeah, I just hear from God all the time while I'm shaving. I think if I heard from God while I was shaving, I'd cut my face, right? I'd be like, what? We'd make it less. You see what I'm saying? It's like God speaking to me is now not something that's profound. It's just something ordinary that happens as if it was nothing. And I love what happens in Acts chapter 15, where they're having the council to decide what to do with the Gentiles who are coming into the church. And it ends up with, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I like that. I can get behind that. It seems like this is the direction that God is doing something, so we're going to move in that direction. All right, let's not cloak it in this religious language. Well, the Lord's telling us we're to move in this direction. What does that mean? Well, we got together and we prayed for 10 minutes and we kind of saw that this seemed like a good, you know, economical thing to do and now it's the Lord. Why not just say it seems good to us that this is the right thing to do to step in this direction? Because I never really know the right thing usually until hindsight and I say, oh, I guess that was God. Or, oh no, that was me. That, that was all me. My bad. But if I can cloak it in this other language, I can get people to follow along, especially in religious leadership. And guys, I've done it. And I don't even know if I knew the intentions of why I was doing it. I think there's a lot of times I felt sincere, like, yeah, no, God's telling me to do this. But really, it is something that I use to do what I think needed to be done. And I probably should have said something like, I think this needs to be done. And it seems good to the spirit. It's not something in violation of God. And it seems good for us as a community to step into this. So this is what we're going to do. And let's let God bring the clarity to it as it comes along. I think that's a better way to see things than to be so certain. Where's the humility of, you know, I'm not sure, but it seems like. The reason we don't do that is because it's hard to get people behind that, right? It, it, it's easy to raise money and get support if God told you to do something. Hey, this is what we're gonna do. God spoke to me the other day and it was so clear. The word of God came into my heart and it moved me and my wife heard it and she confirmed. And so this is what we're gonna do. We are going to buy a new Porsche. Right? It's easier to move in that direction. I'm, I'm jesting, right? I, I'm being facetious here, but we can say that in regards to something else. Yeah, it's not a car for me, but it could be a building project. It could be firing somebody, hiring somebody. I remember being a part of the church and the Lord speaking to the pastor and hiring his son-in-law. It also meant firing me. It's like, really? God told you that? <laughs> Can you check again? But it's, once you say the Lord told me, it's like, how do you combat it? And so now God has become my puppet to do the things that I want to do. Same thing happens in politics. 
right? There, there is this lack of humility that I've made a mistake. It's always blaming the other party. It's always blaming something. It's never owning responsibility for oneself, right? The only time they admit they're wrong is when they're caught. And even then it tends to be justified, right? And it happens with politicians and it happens with pastors. It happens with people in leadership. And this is not the politics of the kingdom of God. And what about when we use the Bible to support our ways of thinking and views? Now, the Bible does have a lot to say about a lot of things. And I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't have something to say, but when we wield it as an instrument for our purposes, again, where's the humility? Where's the compassion? Where's the grace? Where's the character of Christ? when it's happening in these things. And so if your Instagram stories or Facebook feed is all about slamming the people who don't see things the way you do and using the Bible or God to validate you being right, it's not the politics of the kingdom. And I believe this is what Jesus is getting at. Stop using my name to validate your ideas even if your ideas are good. You know, it, it's interesting, the, the creeds, the Nicene Creed and others from the early on for thousands of years, they were pretty simple. They were, we believe in God, the creator of heaven and earth, his son, Jesus Christ, right? They, they were these statements of belief, but there was no moral things connected to them. We believe in God and we don't believe in homosexuality. We believe in God and we don't believe in abortion. We believe in God and we don't believe in these things. And today, if you were to look at the standards of what is the things that you believe, it's the morality of certain things. And we start using scripture to say, these are the things that we believe in. Now, I'm not saying that these things shouldn't be talked about and discussed, but now using these things as I'm going to shut the door and end this conversation, I'm going to use God to say, well, that's never for thousands of years, the creeds didn't involve those things. It was all about God, seeing God and allowing God to help us see the way things are to take place. Instead of saying, this is how it's supposed to take place. This is God backing me. So there, end of deal. There's now no conversation. I don't have to talk to you about the, the nuance of these things. I don't have to, to wrestle with these things. I've just said what God says. And so that's what I believe. And so you can either be with me and God or you're not. And I'll make a meme about it. And we're using God because this is what we believe. And these oaths and these things, are we using them to help justify what we believe? And if we are, how is that accomplishing the kingdom of God? Now, I'd love to talk to you guys more about these things in a more conversational, conversational way. Make up my own words here. But I, I can't do it just right here. So if you guys want to sit and talk about some of these things afterwards, I'm here, let's talk. Okay? I'm here, let's talk. Because I believe that there are good things that get polluted when we start 
using this ideology of I'm going to attach the will of God to this conversation and shut the other voices that are there. And the sentiment of, of judge others the way we'd want to be judged is missing. This idea of before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, deal with the plank in your own eye is missing. It's like, no, I, I, I see clearly. The Bible says, boom, and we judge. It's a note. God, I swear by God that this is the right way to do it. We're using this language, religious language, to validate what we already believe. And the politics of Jesus is about truth telling, but it's about, not about being a jerk. Right? I'm right, you're wrong. We're seeking truth together. We're, we're wanting to find out the best way in our culture to move forward with something so that it is something that can be understood that it's from a God who cares, not an obligation that you have to follow. We follow the God of light and we follow light wherever it leads. We're not afraid of science. We're not afraid of investigation. We're not afraid of accountability. We're not afraid of confession. We're not afraid of having an image that isn't flattering. We're not afraid to be wrong. It doesn't make me less to admit the truth that I don't know. What would happen if we as followers of Christ, instead of insisting that we were right, started confessing our sins of where we were wrong? Saying, you know what? I'm filled with pride. I'm self-seeking. I'm scared of losing security that I have and the beliefs that I have and hold. I'm impatient, I'm quick to judge, and I'm sorry if I've offended you. What would happen if we took that posture in the world? It's kind of disarming, right? It's like my grandson, you know? There's times it's like, why did you take the egg out of the refrigerator? And he's there with a broken egg in his hand, and he says, I didn't. It's like, dude. You did, it's right there. No, I didn't. And he's just adamant, I didn't take the egg. And it's like, okay, yeah. You know, there's this, dude, you've got egg on your face. You know, it's like, it's there. And then when he comes up and he says, grandpa, I got the egg and I dropped it. And it's on the floor. And it's like, it's okay, buddy. You're five years old. Let me tell you what I did when I was five. One is me wanting to embrace him for his honesty. The other is like, how do I talk to you when you're in denial of what's there? What would happen if we would at least acknowledge what's here, that we are prideful, that we are fearful sometimes, that we are impatient, that I would rather come to a conclusion than have a discussion? It might be disarming. 
And Jesus is also confronting us with all the ways we present ourselves that aren't authentic. And you guys, I don't know how to, to be honest about things that are so unflattering. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy for me to say, yeah, you know, I, I, I try and manipulate things to make myself look good and stuff. But it's something that's a part of us that I think Jesus is trying to get to the core of. I, 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 I care about what people think about me. And you might think, well, that's shallow. What can I say, right? It's like, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I feel this way. I, there's been times where I'm in a conversation and I, it's like, man, these guys are having a deep conversation. I don't want to seem like a, a, a simpleton. I'll say something deep, you know, and I'll, I'll just find something to say, you know. I'll think of, well, C.S. Lewis said this. I'll say this, right? I just want to jump into the conversation and have some kind of value. I do that. I say things just to be noticed. Now, not all the time, but sometimes. And I think that reimagining a community where there wasn't this one-upping or this comparing, right? Where, where something happens and you think, oh, yeah, that's a great but. Oh, yeah, I remember that time when I, I got to go and do this. Oh, yeah, you did that? Well, one time, I did this. And we just want to make it a little bit better so we seem a little bit more important. I want to reimagine a community where anger was worked on instead of denied. Where contempt wasn't tolerated, and reconciliation was pursued. Where women were safe and not objectified. Where commitments were honored, except in extreme circumstances. And where our yes was yes and our no was no. Where we don't need the f- feel the need to spin things or claim credit for things we don't do or to make up statistics that support what we want. Most of us don't really know. I hear statistics that were 12 years old. I hear statistics about COVID that were from the original strain that aren't applicable to the new Delta variant. That's from people who, you know, as far as I know, they're not involved with, you know, disease infection. I'm pretty sure they're just, you know, car mechanic, for some reason they know all the facts about COVID. I don't know. I'm hearing from other people to try and get some kind of understanding. I I don't know all the things about politics. I'm, I'm hearing from one news source, and it's so funny. I remember there was one instance, I can't even remember the circumstance, but there was some breaking story, and I watched Fox News, and it was like, oh, yes, this is great for the Republican Party, and I watched CNN, and it was like, oh, yes, this is great for the Democratic Party. And I was like, which is it? Spin. We're going to make it good for us. I want to imagine a world where I don't feel the need to make things better for myself, but I want to lean into what is good for others. 
And we stopped meeting at the school and started meeting here. We were trying to do something that we felt would be helpful to us as a community, right? I mean, we'd been meeting at that school, setting up, tearing down for years, and it was a labor, and we wanted to step into something that was a little bit more of an outreach to our community, starting the works building and stuff. And so it seemed good to us to do that. And we got a lot of flack for that. A lot of people were like, oh, man, you did this. Now our kids are further away. It's like, no, they're right there. You know, they're not that far. But there's a lot of flack in that. Did we make the right decision? I don't know. I think so. But then we had COVID, right? If we were still at the school, we would have had to just been here. I, you know, I don't know. Seemed good to us at the time to make this step and, and to do these things. And you guys, this is just being honest. We're, we're doing this all the time. If you think I hear from God and I can just tell you, well, the Lord spoke to me, I don't. Sorry, you can leave now. You can all, you can all go now. I, he doesn't hear from God. I'm straining my ears to hear. I am trying to condition my heart to be receptive, to understand the needs of the people around me, people who I don't know, circumstances I'm unfamiliar with in ways that I've never had to step in before, right? I I live in a small frame of a world that's this big. You take my way of thinking, you put it in Haiti, and it just doesn't make any sense. And so I have to take where I'm at, and I have to, in humility, seek God for wisdom and direction and move forward with that humility and not claim, I have the answers, I know, and this is what God says. And pull a Bible verse from here and throw it into a culture here and try to manipulate things, maybe not even intentionally, but doing it with God's backing. I think the takeaway from Jesus' words here about let your yes be yes, your no, no, is be authentic and be humble. And don't try to use God to back you and what you believe. Let your beliefs follow the character of Christ and let it be validated by the fruit it produces. And sometimes we don't know that until years later. And that's how it is. And so I want to hold on tenaciously to God, to Jesus, to his grace, to his love, to his forgiveness. And I want to hold on gently to the things that rise up and fall throughout our culture and our time. And I want to do it in a way that always reflects the fruit of his spirit. That's kind, that's gentle, that's easy to be entreated, that's long-suffering, that's filled with joy. And I think we can do this. But to do this, we have to let go of this feeling that we've got 
the corner on the market of God and how he thinks and what he wants. And it always seems to look and think like how we want. That should tell us something. Let's pray. Lord, I am challenged again by your words and how they make me look inward before I just start moving outward. And I pray that would be the case with all of us, that we would judge ourselves lest we be judged, that we would judge in the same way that we want to be judged, that we would take the log out of our own eyes before we look for the speck in other people's eyes. Lord, even in these areas where we are so convicted that we are right, that we are hearing from you, may we not be quick to use your name or attach your name to the convictions that we have. May we still learn. May we grow in this conversation, and may we be people who are authentic, where people see us, they're disarmed because we are not on an attack. But what we are really wanting to do is bring about your kingdom that is filled with truth, that is filled with hope, that is filled with concern, and it does it in a way that is not self-serving. And Lord, for myself as a pastor, May I guard myself from this type of language, from this certainty that can be manipulated to accomplish the things that I want to see accomplished. Lord, may the character of Christ be nurtured in all of us as we pursue you and desire to be people where our yes is yes, where our no is no, where the admission of I don't know is not seen as weakness, but is seen as truthfulness. That you might be honored. Your kingdom might be seen in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord help us to not use him for our benefit, but may we submit to his character that the world may benefit from us. God bless you guys. Love you. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.